Hi there, everyone, and thank you for joining us once again here at the First Love Ministries with the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois. Our sermon today from Reverend Jonathan Warren is Transformed in Hope. The liturgist today is Susie Gleason. The anthem, Ancient Words, is performed by the church choir. Our first scripture reading comes to us today from Lamentations 3, 22 through 25. Our second scripture reading is taken from Romans 12, 1 and 2, and then 9 through 21. God bless and may peace be with you this week. The scripture reading is from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. Let us listen to the word of God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul that seeks him. This is the word of the Lord.
Christine. I don't know why I'm so emotional, but I 20 months. And Stephanie, too. Our choir has been not able to sing together for 20 months, and I think you all should stand up and we should give thanks to God. Please stand up. And Christine, you too. Our scripture reading comes to us from Romans uh, chapter 12. We're skipping around a little bit, but verse 1 through 2 and 9 through 21. Let us listen to the word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast what is good, Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In her book, A Hundred Things We've Lost to the Internet, Pamela Paul, New York Times book reviewer, says the very first thing we lost to the internet is, guess what? Boredom. Remember boredom? This is what she says. You'd, you'd be languishing at the doctor's office with nothing but mottled old copies of Reader's Digest on offer. Boredom was available just about everywhere. Nothing to do, nothing to divert or distract you during what should have been precious free moments amid the frantic hours of so much else to get done. But we have solved this because there is no more boredom. 
Kids grow up with an ever-present escape valve, like a built-in ejector seat from any unwanted situation. They never really have to be there if they don't want to be, and neither do adults. The second most common reason people use Facebook by their own admission is to alleviate boredom. Now, to suggest that the internet has cured one of, the, one of our ailments, uh, boredom, is satire, right? But it's at least poking at some truth in our culture, isn't it? Now, I love the internet. I love that I can connect with friends and read national and international news, uh, that I can play endless supply of games and watch movies in an instant, that, that I can purchase anything needed, and now we can even worship online. I also have a tip. If you get bored at any time during my sermons, okay, so this is valuable information. If you watch me preach later and you do it on YouTube, you can change the speed to one and a half or double. It's 100% guaranteed to make the sermon shorter and less boring. I might sound like a chipmunk, but it is possible to do this. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul is talking about what it means to live in this world and yet not live of it. This was, of course, a lot easier in his time because they didn't have the Internet. They were used to being bored all the time. In any event, Paul recognizes that this is no simple task. He even offers an imperative not to conform. He recognizes that while we live in this world, it's very easy to be shaped by it. Yet he's making a case that the only way to move beyond what the world offers is that it requires transformation. Now, the Greek word for transformation is metamorphose. The root words meta and morphotheta, metamorphosis. According to the dictionary, when a metamorphosis occurs, a person or thing develops and changes into something completely different. According to scholars, Paul is telling the Romans and us that we don't have to wait to make the world anew. We don't have to wait for transformation to occur. Our world can be made new right here and now. Some folks think it's only possible to do it in the future when Christ returns. But Paul, uh, he offers, makes a case that it can happen here. It's here in Romans 12, 9 through 21, that he provides the praxis for doing so. He provides a list of things we can do to spiritually alter the world. And we just read them. Now, the only trick is we can't act like the world when we do these things. And Paul admits patience and growth is coupled with suffering and hardship. It's very hard. We aren't to be conformed to the world, but rather transformed. Completely altering. I want us to think at least about the first two on his list from verses 9 through 21 in terms of conforming versus transforming. In fact, you can do this to all of them, but even on double speed, that would be way too long and very boring. So we'll stick to two. The first one starts on verse 9. It's love. If we were conformed to the world, then love is 
conditional. But if we were rather transformed, then we would love like Christ. In the Greek, Paul uses the word agape here when he says love, which means unconditional love. The very first item he shares on this list, this one act to love unconditionally, which is how God loves us, uh, loving strangers, friends, even enemies, without any strings attached. Agape love could transform our entire world here today. We can do this, and that's how powerful transformation is. The second one has to do with hope which is our theme for stewardship today. If you've looked in your bulletin, you see a flyer. We're going to share about it a little later. It's, we're called to be hopeful. If we were to conform to the world, then when we suffer or struggle, it would certainly seem hopeless. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Suffering and struggling certainly makes things rough, and those very things can certainly make us feel at times hopeless. But as Christians, Paul says that we can be transformed. We can be instead rejoice in hope, to be patient in our suffering, and especially when things are tough, to persevere in prayer. Now, as one pastor says, Romans 12 does not offer a unicorn-esque view of transformation. I wonder at times like this, in times of pandemic and struggle, it sure can seem hopeless. We could easily resort to frustration, fracture. I'm sure you all remember the toilet paper shortage in March 2020, right? For those of us who had enough toilet paper on hand, the crisis seemed a little funny, what a weird thing to run out of. But when you think about it, toilet paper has become a real necessity. If you didn't have any at all, what would you do? Last year, the journal Courier ran a story about one woman's hunt for toilet paper. She finally found the last package on the store shelf, and it was eight rolls. And she grabbed it. It was enough to last her family for a little while. She was thrilled with her success. She made her purchase, and she left the store, but in the parking lot, she looked over and she saw an elderly man standing by his car and he was crying. She was moved by him and asked him if he needed any help. The man explained that he had been to several stores over two days. Not one of them had toilet paper. He said, my wife and I don't have a single roll at home. I said I wasn't going to come home until I found some, but there isn't any to be found. Just don't know what I'm going to do. And the woman immediately broke open her package. She gave four of her precious rolls to the man. Neither of them had as much as they would like to have. But she didn't resort to hopelessness. They each had enough. If we're merely conformed to the world, then it'd be easy to say 2020 and 2021 was tough, excruciating, partisan, divisive, anxiety-ridden. Certainly be easy to say as we head towards stewardship for our 2022 year, 
and our financials are looking tighter. What do we give as a percentage of our income to God? Certainly it'd be easy to say to hold back, be more careful. I wonder at times what future believers will say about this moment in time. I wonder about what Jay said last week, the ghost of youth past in 48 years. What will they say about today, about our church, about our faith, about our hope, about our love? And this is the very thing that inspires me, and I hope it inspires you. I've seen things, and I continue to hear things about our church family. This year could easily have been a tough year financially. It could have been that folks could have easily held back. We don't see as many folks in our pews. But there are folks here who love this church and follow Christ's ministry who are transformed and even when things are tough, even if we're lonely and struggling and we're not comfortable, we rejoice in hope because we know that we are not alone. Even when things are impossible, when we're this close to giving up, there's still hope. And I know if, if we were in the parking lot and you saw an elderly man who was crying, I know I would see you give hope. I see you choosing to be patient in your suffering. I see you when you struggle, persevering in prayer. We recognize that God has given us much. But I know we choose to be transformed. We have hope, we have faith, we have love. These are not easy things to do in the midst of struggles, uh, in the midst of loss, in the midst of health, concerns, in the midst of languishing pain that you've had, not just today, but in times past. Especially when our world twists and contorts us in choosing sides, to draw our swords, to alienate people all around us, to set our own agenda. And yet we know that's not the way to live. It's not what will move us beyond what the world offers. Transformation in Christ begins with us. How we see and accept and understand others in the world, it begins with us changing, with us choosing actively, transforming of our minds. We have to think about this before we actually do it. It's not the easy thing to do, especially in a world such as this. To choose not to conform to the world. It might mean we could easily be bored a lot of times, right? But yet, transformation is much more powerful and moving than any internet or anything around us because loving and hoping in a world as tough as ours requires lots of work and choosing that hard path 
There's nothing boring about transformation. And we never do it alone. We do it together. And we do it with God's help. So as we look toward our giving and tithes and our offerings for next year, I encourage you to follow this list of transformation, to love unconditionally, to rejoice in hope here, today. Be transformed. And in so, we can give to God and the world generously and change it here and today. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The congregation and visitors can now enter through the east or north doors. Our in-person service starts at 10 a.m. 
We do, however, ask that you keep your mask on while moving about in the building. In the sanctuary, there are two sections, one for vaccinated and one for unvaccinated individuals. The ushers will guide you to the section of your choice. Those in the vaccinated section can now sing without a mask. Join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and join our Monday First Pres Jacks community group, which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question, answer, and sharing group with the pastor. This is a private room, and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9.55 a.m. You can visit www.firstpresjax.org donate and make your contribution there. Or send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You also can contribute to your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number is 217 245 4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at f i r s t p r e s j a x dot o r g. 